Okay, so here is the acronym for recovery that we've been going through. Uh, the first one is to realize I'm not God. The biggest difference between us and God is that he never thinks he is us. Um, earnestly believe that God exists. Consciously choose to make good decisions. Um, they don't happen by accident. Openly examine our lives to take a full inventory. Uh, voluntarily submit our lives to God. And today, uh, we're going to talk about evaluate all my relationships. Um, and so it's called repairing relationships. <clears throat> so evaluate all my relationships. Offer forgiveness uh, to those who have hurt me and make amends for harm I've done to others, except when to do so would harm others. One thing I read, and I don't remember where, um, but addictions are the result of a lack of intimacy with other humans, with God, and maybe dogs. Um, <clears throat> we need connection with humans, with our Creator, uh, with the world that is around us. If we don't have that, generally we end up with some sort of addiction. And the biggest problem with addictions is that they're effective. Um, they do get rid of the pain that we're feeling and change that emptiness inside temporarily. Um, but there is no substitute for good, solid friends, lover, um, companions. There just is no substitute for that. Um, we're made for it. Um, the passage from Matthew and for our text from the Beatitudes is, Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. This is the only Beatitude that gives you the same thing you give out. If, we're, if I'm merciful, I will receive mercy uh, from others. Some of you probably know who Thomas Merton is, and uh, this is um, a quote that has impacted me for quite some time. He says, To consider persons and events and situations only in the light of their effect upon myself is to live on the doorstep of hell. Selfishness is doomed to frustration centered as it is upon a lie. To live exclusively for myself, I must make all things bend themselves to my will as if I were a god. <clears throat> when we're born, we, we do think that we are the, the most important person in the universe. Um, if we don't get our diaper changed, if we're hungry, whatever it is, we scream and cry, and somebody comes to our rescue. Um, the rest of our life is spent getting out of that self-centered world, realizing that everyone else in this world is just as important as me, just as valuable, and they, they, they're worth just as much. But for me in this passage, to live selfishly is to live on the doorstep of hell, and it's doomed to frustration. Um, it is hard to live in relationship with other people. It's not easy. Um, 
but it's a whole lot better than anything else. And anything meaningful is going to take some effort. Um, has anyone ever heard of the Rat Park experiment? Done in the 1970s um, by Bruce Alexander. Was his name? Okay. So he took a rat, put it in a cage, like the guy on your left. He gave him two water bottles. One was just water, and the other one was either laced with cocaine or heroin. Can you guess what happened? You guys are mumbling, but I'm sure somebody's right. He did. And for how long? <laughs> Until he died. <laughs> yeah. Every single rat overdosed. And they stopped drinking just the bottle with water. So, Dr. Alexander decided to try something else. He built what he called the rat park. So it had like tunnels to go through, things to climb, different things to play with, to grab. He had, he put other rats in there so they, so the rats could hang out with each other, they could make families, um, they could have friends or whatever rats do. <laughs> um, and he put a water bottle with just water and the water bottle laced with either cocaine or heroin. Can you guess what happened? No. Uh -uh. Um, occasionally they would drink it, but only in moderation. Um, but none of them OD'd. They preferred just regular water. But they tried the cocaine? Well, I don't know if every single one of them did. They didn't know that one of the water bottles had it. So they may have, but they eventually figured out that it had it in there and they stopped um, because they had friends they had a community they had a place um, to run around and play and to do things that were fun um, which is interesting um, humans not just rats need to be a part of a community uh, they need to be encouraged to relate and to experience the support of others um, there's just no substitute for that but human relationships are a little more difficult than rat relationships. Is that right? Um, so <clears throat> I found this in a book, and I thought it was a fascinating way to, to look at something. Jack, you probably need to be able to read this one because your name is in it. <laughs> so how many persons are involved in a conversation comprised of two people? Three. <laughs> well, so this guy says at least eight. Yeah. So I put Jack and Roxanne's names in there instead of um, Dick and Jane, which he, which is what he used. But so there's the real Jack. <clears throat> there is the Jack that Roxanne sees. There is the Jack that Jack would like to be. There is the Jack that Roxanne wants to see. 
So on Roxanne's part, there is the real Roxanne. There is the Roxanne that Jack sees. There is the Roxanne that Roxanne would like to be. And there is the Roxanne that Jack wants to see. So when we start having those conversations, um, that's a lot of work. It's a lot of things to sort through. And I think the closer we get to being ourselves, the simpler this becomes. But um, I know that, that those are involved in all of my conversations. Yeah, and I think that's what this guy is alluding to is, yeah, we do play games in our mind. We have a certain way we want to present ourselves to others. Um, and that, that complicates things a lot. Um, somebody else going to? John. Which Jack do you think it is when Jack is working under a car and Jack slips <laughs> and Jack yells for help? <laughs> Is that one of those or is there a, when, when Jack screams for help? Uh huh. Which one? Oh, there. Jack, maybe? Oh, Jack. Repeat that, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, John says, which Jack? is speaking, or if there's another Jack, when Jack is working under the car and the Jack slips and he's in pain and so he's screaming for help. So which Jack is that? Well, it's an allegory, but I think you're making a good point, John. Did, which person is screaming for help? especially in the context of addiction. Is that, yeah, so. That's, that's a good point. So we can cross off number three. Okay, so yes, in the human park, um, these are all the personalities that are involved. And um, so that makes it a little more difficult. But it's still better than uh, not living in community with other people. So for the rest of the time, 
end. If we end early, that's okay with me. Um, <clears throat> I've got to take Isaac Elliott to the airport in Denver. Um, and it's probably important that we don't miss that flight. Um, um, if a bunch of people bought this book, Never Let Go, about this class, mm -hmm. and it's about a guy on meth, and he was probably eight personalities. Okay. So if you haven't started reading it, once you start, you can't put it down. No, it's good. So be sure and read this book before they come back. Okay. What day? Yeah. Well, it doesn't take long. It's a real fast book. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. Thanks, Diane. Okay, so there is a parable or a group of parables in Luke chapter 15. And we call that the gospel in a chapter. There is the story of the shepherd who loses a sheep. There's a story of a woman who loses a coin. And there's a story of a father loses a son but if you read the whole story we're not sure which son he lost um, parables are meant to challenge us not to sedate us but to make us a little bit uncomfortable and make us to think about things a little bit differently um, the gospel in a chapter for you and I in the year 2019 is pretty comforting and almost feels like a good Thanksgiving afternoon nap because oh, God loves us. We can go sow our wild oats. We can do whatever we want. And he'll always welcome us back. He's looking for us. And that's true. But a, a good parable is like a good piece of art. There's more than one way to look at it. It doesn't mean the other ways are not true. It means there's more than one way to look at it. It doesn't mean there are an infinite number of ways, but there is at least more than one. Um, two people, if you have a piece of artwork of two people embracing, you can't decide that that is an image of war, right? But if you do have a piece of artwork of two people fighting, that could also be an image of love. Because people who love each other fight. Um, so I want to take a look at these three stories um, a little bit differently. And so maybe to speed up the process, um, I'm going to say, and maybe just to give some hints, that uh, the story kind of is left without any good closure. It's left a little bit open. Um, <laughs> And it is about things that are lost and need to be found. Um, but that the father probably could have been a little bit better of a father. Um, so if we start in verse 1, it says, Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of who? you which one of you having a hundred sheep and losing them does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he found until he finds it um, <clears throat> having a hundred sheep at this time would be a sign of wealth so this guy doesn't just have one but he's got a bunch 
And the more we have, the easier it is to miss what we don't have. Right? So this shepherd, um, he's looking at his flock of sheep. He's feeling pretty good about his accomplishments in life. He's doing well. And he starts counting them. 98, 99. He's missing one. So what does he do? What would you do? Matt? Well, from a practical point of view, I wouldn't leave all the 99. <laughs> <laughs> them get scattered. That's very good. I'd send the person to help her. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to say count again. That's what I would do. <laughs> but you're right. Um, it doesn't make sense that he would just leave all those guys and say, well, try and stay here while I go find your buddy. Um, no, he probably wouldn't do that. So that's not the point of the story then, I guess. Um, I think if it was your children, you might. You might. put the oldest one in charge <laughs> that's that's possible yeah um, the Gnostic Gospel of Thomas tells the story and then Thomas says that when the shepherd finds that sheep and brings it home he loves that one more than the 99 which I'm going to disagree with Thomas I don't think that's what he's saying in my mind the point is that his herd is incomplete and he wants it completed. And so he's going to find that one. And he grabs it, puts it on his shoulders, which from what I've read, sheep necessarily don't like that. It's not really that comfortable for them. He brings it home and he does what? Has a party. Because now what was lost is found and he brought him back. Um, so then the woman, I guess we can, uh, can read what, what she does. She has ten silver coins, and she loses one of them. Um, so, apparently, she's she's fairly well to do. Um, she's she's not living in poverty. She has a house. Um, if she loses loses one of the coins, she lights a lamp, sweeps the house, searches carefully until she finds it. So she's pretty frantic. And I'm uh, getting behind on my slides. Um, and then. She calls together her friends and her neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So did the coin lose itself? No. Um, and the shepherd, he didn't lose his sheep either. Um, so then she calls her friends and has a party. How much do you think that cost? Maybe the same amount as the coin did. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it was a pot plug. <laughs> That's true. That's fair. I would have called them before to help me find the coin. Diane, I will call you next time. Yeah. And I thought about this a little bit at the time because I was friendly. <laughs> and then, of course, I found it in a place where I'd already looked three times. Oh, so. John put it back. 
But I yelled all the way from upstairs. He was downstairs, and I yelled. I found it. I found it. And I and talked to one of my daughters, and I told her. I texted her immediately. I found it. I found it. Because I was just so excited because yeah, it was. It's worth quite a bit, not only to me, but mm -hmm. but in monetary gains too. So, yeah. We didn't have a party. And we didn't have a party. I told people. <laughs> <laughs> You're more sensible. <laughs> Does it did that ring have sentimental value? Yes and no. Okay. That's interesting. It has value. It has value. value. A lot of value. Okay. Yes and no. Okay. All right. Carl. My old German grandfather didn't speak very good English, but he had a saying that I, at first I thought was easy. Should you lose something, you look where it's at, not where it's is. Where it's not. Look where it's at. And I thought that's so stupid. How many times have lost something? Wait a minute. It's supposed to be on the desk. Credit card. Go back, move it out. There it is. Yeah. Maybe it's kind of like a parable. We we get things lost and we think, well, let's let's go find it this way. Go back. Where should it be? And that, that's that's a good point. Found the other way. Sort of like finding the shoes you actually put up in the closet. Yeah. <laughs> but you didn't realize you really put it right back where it's supposed to be. In the closet. That's true. All right, when we were on the airplane, we were coming back, right? And I lost my ring. No, go ahead. It's on the way? Uh -huh. Okay. So, yeah, Julie and I went to Africa for a couple of weeks, and she didn't want me to wear my wedding ring, just in case something happened. Um, so she bought me a, a wooden, well, it's, it's metal, but then it's got wood on it. And so it fit, but then when we got to Africa, my hands swelled, or on the way, because I guess we're on the way. So I decided just to put it on my pinky because I didn't want it to get stuck on my finger. And then um, I went to the bathroom and I was coming back. It was at night when we were flying and it fell off. Or no, I put it in my pocket to wash my hands because I didn't want it to fall off. And then I pulled something out of my pocket and I heard it fall. And uh, I thought, oh no, this is not good. I'm not as concerned about the ring as I am concerned about Julie's feelings. <laughs> so I told her. And you know what she did? She went on the floor, looking around, and she found it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but now for the lady, the coin collection is complete. Um, so then there's a man who had two sons. If you are a Jew and you are steeped in your Hebrew culture and you hear a story start with a man had two sons, what comes to You said one of them. Jacob and, Jacob and Esau. Who else? Isaac and Ishmael. Who else? Cain and Abel. Those are some main ones, but the the story of two brothers is is a universal motif. It's not just in the Hebrew literature. It's in like all of the ancient stories. So if you hear this, a man had two sons and you're a Jew, which one are you going to choose? 
Cain or Abel? Who's the good guy? Abel's a good guy. Esau and Jacob. Who's the good guy? <laughs> yes, but that's the one that God picked him, right? He did. Ishmael and Isaac. Who did God pick? The youngest. So in this story, if you're kind of dozing off, yeah, I know this story. Who, which one are you going to pick? The second son, which is usually what we do. We know the story. Um, but this the second son tells his dad, hey, I want my inheritance. And I used to, well, I had read that Basically, he, the son was telling his father he wished he was dead so he could have his money. Um, but then I read other places that this is this was not really that uncommon of a practice. That a son would say, can I have my portion? I want to get started on some things. So it really wasn't that odd. But then he leaves, and uh, he, he loses all of it in dissolute living, whatever that is. Um, <coughs> probably not helping the poor need. And then what does he do? He decides that if I go back to my father's house, I'm gonna have more than enough. I'm gonna tell him I'm sorry. Tell him just make me one of your servants and I'll be back and everything will be okay. So he comes back and what happens? Well, okay. What was his father doing when he came back? was looking for him. Um, what was the other son doing? Keeping the farm going. Yeah. Um, did the father allow his second son to do his give his complete speech? He interrupted him. Said no. Um, where was the older son? He's working. So the father to his younger son, gives him a new robe, gives him a ring, kills a calf, calls the band, has a party. Where's the older son? Working. The father didn't even go tell the older son, that his brother came home, and let's have a party. How did the brother find out? He heard the music, and he had to ask one of the servants. Who got left out? Not the second son. Maybe he was the favorite father doted over him a little bit but couldn't stop looking for his son to come back <clears throat> while his other son was keeping the farm going um, if that younger brother didn't have that older brother he may not have had a home to come back to well the older brother was the workaholic <laughs> <laughs> That's how we like to frame it. Yeah. But if we're talking about 
people that we miss in our lives that we don't count, a lot of times it is the people that we can depend on. That, like, I have employees and I have to catch myself deciding who I'm going to make do what if it's a job that's not very much fun based on how this guy is going to react or this guy's going to react. Um, you've all heard it. No good deed goes unpunished. Because you can be hard on the good guy, but the younger son that goes off and screws around and loses everything, you can't be hard on him because he'll be dramatic. <clears throat> um, John. The wording that I have to the older son is, uh, you have been with me always, or you are with me always. Mm -hmm. That means something about the younger son. Doesn't matter that he ran away. You're just the ordinary son. Mm. something special. I would hope that God doesn't behave that way. Yeah, you're just an ordinary <laughs> So <laughs> You're the ordinary Jack, not Jack. Yeah. He's something special. Okay, yeah. <laughs> he's just trying to, you see, are you saying he's just trying to smooth it over and let's just go to the party? Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay, that's... He's still spoiling me. Yeah, he is, you're right. That's a good point, Matt. But the second half of that sentence is, but in everything I have is yours. <laughs> because... He says, you're always with me, uh -huh. and everything I have is yours. Yeah. So he's already deeded the entire inheritance to the other son. Because so he knows... So I don't, think, oh. I don't think we want to draw that conclusion too quickly. Okay. Because he's already... He knows that son won't lose it. <laughs> yeah. He didn't say that. He said everything yeah. I have. Yeah. Yeah. Before that, <laughs> he gave to the younger guy his inheritance. Mm -hmm. So I agree with you. It just means everything I have left. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, that's that's a good point. Yeah. It's possible. Because I personally know of an older sibling who is part Jack's. Hmm. How old is that? Two years old. She's still jealous. Oh, your sibling? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because okay. I'm a younger sibling. Oh, okay. Okay. And hmm. there's nothing I can say or do that will yeah. change. Change. No, you can't. Uh uh. Okay. No, because you weren't the one that caused it. So what you mean, a while ago, I thought you said that I could hear very good back That's okay. Oh, <laughs> You just said the father, the father was not a good father. Did you say that? Or I said he might not be the best father. Because? Well, it looks like he shows a little bit of favoritism to his younger son. To me. Um. He gives him his inheritance. He probably knows he's going to waste it. 
it's not it's not that he just he and his son just met that day. He's been watching him his entire life. <clears throat> um, he keeps looking for him to come home while the older son is taking care of the business. Um, the younger son knew his daddy would rescue him because he came home. <clears throat> as soon as he gets home, father interrupts his apology speech, puts on a robe, gives him a ring, kills the calf that he's never done for his other brother, who has done all the right things. Um, but that's, that's the sermons I heard all my life until I heard the sermon that the father was chief, was God. And then all the sermons seem <clears throat> Right. Well, so, and that's normally the way we see it. And that's, that's, a, fair, that's a fair way to see it. Um, but in the beginning of the passage, Jesus says, which one of you? And he's, the Pharisees are criticizing Jesus for including people that they don't think should be included. And so in the context of repairing relationships, um, Jesus is saying the, the one is important, the 99 is important, the one is important, the 10 is important. Yeah, the guy that goes off and squanders things, he's important. But so is the guy who did everything right. And he needs to be honored. And he needs to be thanked. Because um, we have, I mean, in this church, in our community, there are so many people that, that don't get the notoriety of going off and squandering everything and then coming back. But they've just done the right thing their entire life. Um, and those people are indispensable. They're valuable. And I'm not sure that this son got that from his father. Does that make sense? Okay. So if, we have had people go off and do just what you said and come back and be accepted. Oh, sure. They need to be accepted. Yes. But the punchline in this story is not when the what we call the prodigal comes home. The punchline is after is when the conversation happens between the father and the older son. Um, because normally, like we talked about, the father had two sons, Cain and Abel. We choose Abel, we choose Jacob, we choose Isaac. <clears throat> the story says, well, wait a second. Let's, let's turn it. Um, and so I think in the context of community and relationships, um, people who have consistently made good choices in our li in their lives that we can depend on sometimes just get counted out and we need them. Those are no. the mothers that aren't mentioned in the story. Okay, <laughs> yeah. That is, that's a good point. Where, where is mom? <laughs> yeah. 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 But, yeah, I mean, you're right, Jack. I remember one time it never happened again. There's a lot of things I did one time that never happened again. <laughs> But we, my three brothers and I, for getting our chore list, and we told our mom that she makes us do all the work and she doesn't do anything. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. Oh. That was well thought out. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my more impulsive days. And, uh, she says, all right. How old? How old um, were you? We were, I was in grade school. Oh, okay. 18. <laughs> and uh, she says, all right, I'll start making a list. She wrote two things down. She goes, I changed my mind. 
go to the bedroom. You guys are all getting spanking. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe we wouldn't fold the laundry. Um, we never told her that again. I, oh. I think what whoever down at the other end of the room said, mother, <clears throat> because in my family, my brother was not accepted. My mother, it was accepting, but my dad mm. was the one that did not. Okay. And even the second wife, she married my dad, hoping to bring my my brother back to my dad. So it does depend a lot of times on the mother. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that's far <clears throat> fetched from. It's okay. We're just thinking out loud. It's all right. But the mother, yeah. there's something about motherhood that wants that family to work. Yes. Together. And they are selfless. Yeah. They do so many things that we don't realize. And so, thank you. Carl. The punchline at the end, he's going back to the Pharisees and was it? He's he is thanking uh, friends or, or bringing these unacceptable, discredited, marginal people back, and they are not able to rejoice. That, in, in a sense, the elder brother is an attitude they realize that they have. Well, that is that is one way to see it. You're right, and it's pretty fair. Um, but uh, I think in the context of the whole story and what's going on is that everybody does count and in our lives not in the sense of counting in prison where you get counted all the time as a number but the people in your life that you see every day um, that you your cashier um, people at the gas station plumber the trash guy whoever it is do they matter and if you talk to them, speak to them like they matter. Um, and I think that's that's an important aspect of relationships and not opening the door to hell, but walking out the door, stop, doorstep, and going the other way. Um, okay, we better stop. Does anyone have anything they'd like to say before we end? <coughs> Thank you, and have a good week. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs every Sunday at 1040 a.m. as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.